Well, welcome everyone. Uh, it is so good to be worshiping with you uh, here on Sunday morning. And so as you can see from behind me, uh, we have a, a new setup. Uh, Dan and Ben have just done a great job setting this up and to be able to have it so that we're coming from our church home straight to your home as we are excited about regathering in just two weeks from now um, on August 23rd. And so uh, if you haven't received the email yet, keep an eye out for that, but you should have received an email earlier this week informing you about that. Um, with that said, we are concluding our series through the third option today, uh, Hope for a Racially Divided Nation. And so um, we've been able to go through uh, some of the content of the book. Last week, we were able to hear from Jessica and Jasmine, and they did a great job uh, sharing their experiences so that we remember and we hear stories of how what's going on is not just out there in the world, but it affects people that we know and we love and we've seen uh, grow up at this church. So with all of that said, we're going to bring it to a conclusion uh, today as we talk about what it looks like for us to build bridges. And so uh, as we get there, I'm going to ask that you would join me in a word of prayer uh, as we get ready for what God has for each and every one of us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are, Lord. And as we uh, just sang about building our lives upon your love, God, may we use that foundation that is firm uh, upon you, Lord, that we be able to then build bridges with people who might be different than us in various different ways. But God, may we just um, seek your face and learn what it means to build bridges for your kingdom, for your glory, and to show your love to those around us. Lord, I pray that as we dive into your word that I would decrease, that you would increase, that you would speak in a personal, powerful, impactful way to each and every one of us as we see what it is that you want us to learn. We love you, Lord, and it's in your son's holy and precious name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. All right, as you are uh, getting your Bible ready, we're going to be in Luke chapter 10 in a familiar passage, but looking at it uh, in a way that um, is applicable to what we're talking about. And so as I mentioned that this uh, sermon is called Building Bridges, and we're going to be out of Luke chapter 10, uh, verses 25 through 37. So you can turn your Bibles there, looking at the parable of the Good Samaritan. Um, and as you do... Um, for as like many of you, as we're home, been a lot home more often, um, we've been, uh, we got Disney Plus um, right around Christmas time. And so we've been able to watch a lot more of that recently. And one of the, the shows that our family watched, I saw a couple episodes, the girls and Steph got to watch a few more, um, is a show called Shop Class. So I don't know if you've heard of it yet. Uh, it's really fun. It's this idea of a shop teacher and each, well, there's different teams and each team has a shop teacher and two students, two or three students um, that are really good at shop, really good at building things. So they've built rockets, they've built skateboard ramps, uh, they've built, built like little tree houses or, or mini houses. And so it's really cool to kind of watch them from design all the way through, you know, planning, creating all the issues that they have. And then ultimately at the end when they get uh, the different designs get tested and then you're able to, um, you know, get rewarded. And then each team winner uh, goes on in, in a tournament style. So all that to say, uh, it was fun to watch. And the one that I specifically watched uh, was all about building bridges. And the idea was there were different designs. One was like a, like a circular, like an archway design. Um, one was like a different truss. And so it had different structures there. Um, and you got to see the whole process. Some were made uh, really well. You saw one that you just weren't kind of sure about. And so by the end, sure enough, they would lift all these different sandbags and put them onto the bridge and saw how easily they were able to stand up to it 
or whether they would collapse. And so uh, the one that was like the arch didn't end up winning. Uh, that one ended up collapsing. The other two survived. Um, and it was, you know, it was just really cool to watch because I'm horrible at building things. Um, you know, I have issues with like Legos and like Ikea is kind of like the top of my ability uh, to be able to build anything. So, um, you know, looking at this idea of, of building bridges and, and that shop class kind of spurred that idea for me. But in order to get to the point of looking at it, you kind of have to understand how bridges work, right? So we're going to take just a couple moments to talk about how bridges work, and then we're going to apply some of these points or some of these ideas to our passage from the parable of the Good Samaritan. And so whether you can see this or not, I'll, I'll walk you through it. Um, it talks about how bridges work, and it talks about how to stand upright. All bridges must balance two different forces, the forces of tension and the forces of compression while carrying the, the traffic or the loads and resisting environmental forces. So it talks about here, as you can see through the, through the picture here, that there's a, a car that's kind of going across. That's the load. That's the traffic across it. And the, the different balance of the tension that is pulling the bridge apart and then the tension, excuse me, the compression, which is pushing the forces together. And it's balancing those two things that allows for the bridges to be able to withstand the various loads that are on there. And so um, we talk about how using this as an example is going to kind of help us paint a picture of what it looks like for us. Because as we've been talking about in the third option, that typically there's going to be a lot of tension that we feel because the world encourages the tension of us or them. And that tension causes us to be pulled apart from people who are different than us in various different ways. So yes, the book is specifically talking about race, but as we've said many times, that could be um, from different countries and nationalities, that could be ethnicity, that could be uh, political party, that can be socioeconomic status, that can just be someone who likes a different sports team than you or prefers different music than you. I mean, whatever it is, there are ways in which there's tension that separates us. And so when we choose, our main point for today is that when we choose the options of us or them, we build walls. When we've given to the tension, if you were to picture that, that, uh, the bridge that we saw, if instead of um, a bridge being built, there was just a wall that was just separating the two sides, they would never meet, they would never talk, they would never get to know one another, they would never intersect. And what happens is, is when we choose the options of us or them, we build walls that separate us from people that God created that Jesus lived, died, and rose from the dead in order to bring eternal life, and that the Holy Spirit may be wanting to use you to reach them to come to know Christ and to become more like him. So we want to make sure that we are acknowledging that us or them builds walls, but when we follow the third option, which means to honor that which we have in common, then we don't build walls, we build bridges. When we choose the options of us or them, we build walls. When we choose the third option, we build bridges. So with that said, we're going to be in Luke chapter 10. And um, one of the things that we're looking at to kind of start off on your notes is this idea of when you're building a bridge, um, it's, I found out on bigrents.com, rents with a Z. So that's kind of the, uh, if you want to look at these, uh, these um, graphics a little bit more. But the idea that we have is first thing you need to do is the set the foundation. And so we kind of see this here, setting the foundation, and this is from that website as well. And it shows kind of these ideas that here's the ground underwater, and then here's, you know, a land bridge. And both ones in which there has to be these foundations that drill deep down, either underwater or on ground, dry land, that allow for that foundation to be set for the strength to happen so that the bridge can be able to have balance between the compression and the tension. And so as we 
start here with every single section we're going to look at through Luke chapter 10. We're going to ask a question that is asked in the text, and then we're going to give a response that, is, that we see through the text. So setting the foundation, the first question we see is from Luke 10 verse 25, and I'm going to read 25 through 27, and then we'll refer to it here. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 26, verse 26, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? Verse 27, he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. This is the greatest commandments. We've, we know these, many of us who've grown up in church or been part of church, we know this. And so when you looked back at the two different foundations, it's, if we're using this example, it's love God, love people. That, those two foundations have to permeate and dig deep into our hearts and our souls in order to fully understand and to have the foundation to build bridges with people who might be far from God or who are different than us. So love God and love people. So the question that is asked is, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's what the man um, of the law um, asks there, an expert of the law asks, what must I do? And Jesus, I love Jesus for many reasons, but one of the reasons I love him is that he doesn't always just give the, the answer right away, right? He doesn't just say, we'll do this. Instead, he turns the question to the questioner. He asks to the asker, what do you think? You know, what does it say to you? How do you read it? And then this is when we see the response that the man says that you need to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor. And so we... We know that this is something that we, we've heard before. Um, it's pretty consistent or regular. Love God, love your neighbor. Love God, love your neighbor. And so, yes, those are both vitally important. Those are foundational to our faith and foundational to what it means to build bridges and to see that we want to choose the third option because if the third option, if the foundation of loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then loving our neighbor as ourselves, so those are the, the two pillars, the foundations in our lives, then out of that decision to have those be the pillars, then we're able to honor everybody. Even when there's differences, we know that deep down, because we love God and God first loved us, we are able to love our neighbor as ourselves. That when we love God fully and completely with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, then he consumes us and he changes us and he transforms us into people who are like Christ, who came down, he lived a perfect life, he died a horrible death and was raised to new life and so that people could come to know him knowing that there would be plenty, countless people who never would, who would reject him. And even those who hurt him on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Recognize that he showed great love and there's greater love that no one has in this that one who lays down his life for his friend, as Jesus said in his own words in John 15. So we acknowledge the foundation and, and we could spend, you know, tons of time there. But for the purpose of our study today, uh, we're going to go to the next part, which talks about not just the foundation, but in that first graphic, talking about we need to acknowledge the tension, acknowledging the tension, acknowledging the things that could pull us apart from people, acknowledging the things that separate us, acknowledging, to use the verbiage we've been using recently, uh, that which makes someone part of our out group versus our in group. That which is the, those who are the them versus those around us who are part of the us. And so, again, we're going to go back to this slide about how bridges work because as a reminder that the tension that we need to acknowledge is that tension is a pulling force.
force. It's something that pulls us away. And we see this in the man's response because in verse 28, excuse me, verse 28, Jesus says, you know, you have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. Right there, that could have been the end of the conversation. However, we see the response from the man in verse 29. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And you might ask, why is that attention? Why is that something we need to acknowledge? Because the man and the expert in the law is, is doing something that some of us can subconsciously do in which we know that we're supposed to love people. But then we kind of might ask a question, or at least the, the, the man of the law asks the question, well, who are the people I am to love? You know, do I have to love that person who is so different than me? Do I have to love that person who believes something different than me? Do I have to love that person who looks differently than me? Do I have to love that person who's from a different place than me? I mean, who is my neighbor? To whom do I give this, this love that I show to myself? To whom do I share that to? Or is it something where there are limits to that? So I can say, okay, this person I do because they're like me. This person I do because they're like me. But everybody else, we say no because they're different. They're my outgroup. They're the them to my us. So the tension we have to acknowledge is how easy it is for us to want to automatically categorize people and say, you're one of mine, you aren't. To acknowledge the categories that we put on people and acknowledge that tension just like this man did that he said, and who's my neighbor? Jesus, who can I show love to? And what he's not asking, but what he's implying is who do I not need to show this love to? And so what's the response that Jesus gives? Again, Jesus doesn't give just a pat standard answer right away. Instead, what he does is he gives the response of the parable of the good Samaritan. Here's what he says, starting in verse 30. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going for Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out the two, two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So instead of just giving a pat answer, this is what it means to love your neighbor, who is my neighbor, Jesus says, well, let's, let's hear a story and to hear three different people, three different people who are travelers who could have helped the man who was in need. And the first to go on the other side, the ones that you would expect to help out because they were a priest or they were Levites, they, they knew the law of God. And there are some uh, that talk about how the reason they didn't want to touch him or, or help this man is because it looked like he was dead talks about how he was half dead, but from one side of the road, it looks like he's dead. And in the Old Testament, it talks about how if you were to touch a man who is, um, un, to, who is dead, if you touch a dead body, then you become unclean. And if they're going from Jericho to Jerusalem, or sorry, the other way around, down from Jerusalem to Jericho, they don't want to be ceremonially unclean. So they, they separate themselves from that which could defile them, that which could make them unclean. And, and they keep their holiness. They keep their set-apartness, which is the, what the word holy means, to be set apart. And they go on the other side of the road. 
And so the two people that the audience would expect to help out, priest and Levite, they don't. So this would be the example of, you know, the senior pastor of a church. You would expect to help someone in need and, and that person doesn't. Or a different pastor, youth pastor, a children's ministry director, or a worship leader. Someone that you would say, no, these people, they get it. They know Jesus. They know God. They would do the right thing. And yet those are the ones in the story who don't. And it's the Samaritan that is the one who does. And, and if you've gone to church, you know the story. I'm not telling you something you don't know, but hopefully we're providing a perspective on what we need to know today. Because if you looked at John 4, which we won't spend all the time doing, but in John chapter 4, it's when Jesus had to go through Samaria, as the text says. And while he was sitting there, he saw a woman who was um, trying to get water from a well. And she was there in the middle of the day rather than in the normal hours that women would go because she was ostracized because of her past. So he was a Jewish man who was not supposed to talk to a woman in public or specifically a Samaritan woman. There were a bunch of things that could be walls that would separate Jesus and the woman. It's, it's the us, the holy people versus the them. And so it's a racial difference. It's a belief difference um, or yeah, it's a belief difference. And then it's also, you know, the gender difference. And so, but Jesus breaks down those walls and builds bridges by asking questions, by learning her story, by showing her that there is a greater salvation, that there is a living water that she can receive and that the Messiah is come. In fact, that he, Jesus, is the Messiah. And she's so impacted by this that she rushes off, leaves her water jar behind and goes and shares with the people of the village. I just met a man, a prophet, who, can tell, who told me everything about my life. Come and see him. Come and hear about him. And through her testimony, there were several people from that town who came to know Jesus. See the impact of what happens when we don't give in to keeping our walls up, but we build bridges instead? That Jesus is, is able to share who he is. And we, when we break down walls and we build bridges instead, we can share who he is with people who would say, why are you talking to me? You're a Christian. You believe this. You believe that. Whatever it is, we have the opportunity to say, yeah. And because of Jesus, I know that people matter to God. So you matter to me. And so even though we have things that might cause us to us versus them, I'm choosing the third option to honor you, even though you're different and to honor you by telling you about who Jesus is. Cause that's the most important, most valuable, most significant thing we can share with anybody. The gospel of Jesus Christ and the hope that we have in him. So the parable of the good Samaritan. And so in order to acknowledge this tension, there was uh, recently um, Congressman uh, John Lewis um, passed away recently. And, and at his memorial, just uh, last week, we saw um, there were three different former presidents who spoke, which is uh, in and of itself is pretty amazing that um, someone commented uh, who was there that, you know, uh, Congressman John Lewis was so respected that, you know, different presidents from different political parties than him uh, would still come and speak because they respected who he was. And in fact, so Congressman John Lewis is a Democrat, but then we saw that President George W. Bush um, was one of the speakers there. And this is what he said. He talked about how Lewis was always, quote, preaching the gospel in word and in deed, insisting that hate and fear had to be answered with love and hope. Talked about how the former president of Republican noted that sometimes he disagreed with Lewis as a Democrat, calling that, quote, evidence of democracy in action. The fact that there's evidence of democracy, that there can be division and separation, but they can still work together and still disagree um, and still be able to work together. But in his remarks, President Bush emphasized the beliefs that they did share. 
John Lewis believed in the Lord, he says. He believed in humanity. He believed in America. He's been called an American saint, a believer willing to give up everything, even life itself, to bear witness to the truth that drove him all his life. That we could build a world of peace and justice, harmony and dignity and love. And the first crucial step on that journey was the recognition that all people are born in the image of God and carry a spark of the divine in them. That all people, those last few lines, are born in the image of God. That's what the third option is. It's acknowledging and honoring that all of it, what we have in common is that we are all made in God's image. And so when we do that and when we acknowledge that, and then we value and honor people because of that, we're able to see how the gospel can be um, shown, embodied, spread, and cherished by so many. And so President Bush, he acknowledged the tension, but then he showed there's something that compels beyond the tension. He didn't just acknowledge the tension. Yes, we believe different things or we disagreed politically, but he did what we're going to talk about in our next point, the idea of embracing the compression. Again, just to be over the top, because not all of us are bridge builders. Compression is that pushing force that drives us closer. And to build a bridge, there's a tension between the there's a tension between the tension and the compression. And so when we embrace the compression, it means that we're embracing that there's a pushing force. There's something that draws both sides closer to one another. Um, I'm going to read a a quotation. Uh, It's not on the screen, but it's a quotation from the chair of the Department of Life Sciences at the New York Institute of Technology. And his name is Michael Hadjirigaryu. He says this, despite notions to the contrary, There is only one human race. Our single race is independent of geographic origin, ethnicity, culture, color of skin, or shape of eyes. We all share a single phenotype, the same or similar observable anatomical features and behavior. Science highlights these similarities in our embryonic development, our physiology, which is our organ-based systems, biochemistry, our metabolites and reactions, and more recently in our genomics or our genetic makeup. As a molecular biologist, this last one is indeed the most important to me, Michael says. Data shows that the DNA of any two human beings, any two human beings, is 99.9% identical. As we all share the same set of genes, scientifically validating the existence of a single biological human race and one origin for all human beings. In short, we are all brothers and sisters that any person you've ever seen, and no matter how different they look from you, or how different your experiences are, how easy it would be to put them in an out group, they are 99.9% the same. And, and the pigmentation of our skin is just one of the things that's different. In fact, I need to confess that um, Mary Bramlett uh, lovingly pointed out how in one of my earlier sermons in this series, I talked about how we all, um, that melanin is like the cream that you add to coffee that makes it lighter. I got that backwards and I apologize about it. And I told her I'd, uh, I'd fix it. But in, melanin is that which comes from, it comes from the word black. And so it's actually more the idea of not the more cream you have in your coffee is the more le- melanin you have. It's actually more the idea of the more chocolate syrup you put inside milk, right? So it's more the the dark color that mixes that that changes the pigmentation. So 99.9% of us is the same to anyone we meet. We are all brothers and sisters. And if we are all brothers and sisters, if that's what we have in common, 
and we all have the same genetic makeup, well, then we also know that we all have the same spiritual makeup in the sense of we've all fallen short of the glory of God, that we all have sinned, whether intentional sin, which often is the case, sin of commission that I've committed, or sin of omission, things I've omitted. We all sin and we all desperately try to hide our sin and hide our shame, just as Adam and Eve did in Genesis chapter 3. But we also know that we all need a savior. And that is what Jesus Christ came to do. Live a perfect life, die a horrible death, raise to new life so that we may have eternal life by trusting in him, by confessing that he is Lord and believing in our heart that he is Lord and thus being saved. See, we need to remember that we are all, that's the compression. That is what unites us, what brings us closer together, embracing that compression, embracing that which is similar, embracing and honoring that which unites us rather than focusing on the 0.1% that divides us and causes tension. And the last question that we see here is the question of who acted like a neighbor? We see this from Jesus' own words in verse 36. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Verse 37, the expert in the law replied, well, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Again, I love Jesus for multiple reasons, but one of them again, as I mentioned, is that he doesn't just give the standard pat answer. That instead he says, okay, well then let me ask you a question. Do you understand what I'm talking about? That the question here shouldn't be, who is my neighbor? That's the question that we started off this passage with from the man of the law. But Jesus changes the question from who is my neighbor to who can you be a neighbor to? Who's the person that you are able to be a neighbor to? Don't restrict, okay, who's, who are the people that are part of the us that are, there's the tension that separates. I'm only gonna show neighborly love to this set of people and that's it and no more. Instead, he says, who can you be a neighbor to? Who is the one that you show mercy to? Because he says, go and do likewise. And by using the example of flipping the script, of pointing out that it's the least expected one, the Samaritan who is neighborly, by he's now he's saying, listen, anyone can be a neighbor to someone. What does it look like to be a neighbor? Well, the one who showed mercy. Go and do likewise. Go and be a neighbor to whomever or whoever is around you. D don't allow the tension to separate people God has called us to love and share his good news with. We have the honor to show honor to God by how we honor his people and his creation and what everyone looks like in the midst of that. Jesus eliminates with these questions, with this idea of the us versus them mentality and reminds us that we could be neighbors to everyone. So what does it look like? Who, who, is, who can you be a neighbor to? Andy Stanley would say it this way, anyone who has a need that you can meet. Anyone who has a need you can meet. Here's how Andy puts it. In the story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus did something for the entire world that we've still not recovered from. Jesus redefined neighbor. For Jewish people, much like sometimes American people or people who look like you or people in your community, a neighbor is someone who's like you. Jesus said, no, that's not what a neighbor is in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, a neighbor is anyone who has a need you can meet. Well, we've not recovered 
from that, as Andy says. Now that means every person we see is someone that may have a need that we can meet, whether it's a physical need. And so it's, we're able to show compassion and bind wounds and serve people like the Good Samaritan did, whether it's an emotional need and we can show compassion or, or uh, the verse that it talked about here is how the man had pity on him, that idea of stirring within our guts, that compassion that stirs us to action. Whether it's just a relational need to walk with this person who's struggling in the same way that the Samaritan walked with the injured man who was on his own donkey and walking with him. Whether it's a, spirit, a financial need to exhibit a sacrificial generosity to someone in need. Or whether it is the spiritual need to show them who the gospel is and what the gospel is, excuse me. Not just by saying it, but also by living it out. Jesus says, go and show mercy, go and do likewise. Be a neighbor to those who are in need. Uh, as a closing uh, illustration, uh, Pastor Miles in his book talks about a, a Japanese art form called kintsugi. And kintsugi means golden joinery or golden, golden joints. And it's a Japanese art of repairing broken pottery by mending the areas of breakage with lacquer, uh, with dusted or mixed with powdered gold, silver, or platinum. I'm going to give a, a couple of quick examples here. The first one is, you know, a piece of pottery, again, that's broken. And you can see here these lines that are filled with either go, like a gold dust in order to mend that and to lacquer that together to allow that tension of brokenness and the, com the um, compression of compassion, the compression of love to unite, to rebuild something more beautiful than it was in the first place. We see another example here. Again, now there's bigger cracks that you see that are gold and, and the importance of, of bringing those together to combine the tension and the compression to build a bridge and to reunite that which, is already, which has been divided. And so you look at those examples and the idea is, well, the Japanese art form, and they look at kintsugi, the idea is that the final product, that which had been broken and that which has been remended and recombined through the gold lacquer and, and the gold dust is more beautiful than the process or the, the uh, product was before it had been broken. What does that mean for us? Well, it reminds us of something we hit on a couple of weeks ago, the idea of how we need to live by not golden lacquer, not golden powder, but we need to live by the golden rule, right? What Matthew 7, when Jesus says, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do unto you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. It's saying that humanity has been broken and humanity has had this division and people have in-groups, out-groups, tension that separates us and causes us to find reasons not to love one another. And Jesus says, look, be able to treat one another with honor and respect in the same way that you would want to receive honor and respect when you are the out-group, when you are the outsider, when you are someone that has been left out and you've longed for someone to reach out to you, do that, do likewise to those around you. And so when we do that, the product or the end result of broken pieces of humanity being united by the golden rule for the purpose of experiencing, not just so that we could be nice to each other, but for the purpose of having a brand new heart, to have a heart that is united, a heart that is compressed by compassion, and a heart that points people to Christ. That we could build our lives upon numerous things, myriad things in our, in our world. 
but we want to build our lives upon God's heart, the heart that is exhibited by the golden rule that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. That sacrificial love that God showed us is a love that we can then show others and in so doing, we honor them and we also honor him. So as we close with our, our sermon and our series, it's just this reminder that when we choose the options of us or them, we build walls. But when we follow the third option, we in the image and in the likeness and following Christ's example, we build bridges by setting the foundation, love God, love others, by acknowledging our tension, but then embracing the compression that unites us all together. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you so much for who you are. And God, I pray that um, you are just stirring in all of our hearts now to know what does it look like for us to have our foundation in loving you and loving others as our neighbors, or love neighbors as ourselves. What does it look like us to acknowledge the tension? And we've had tension over this series as we've been reading and wrestling and praying and struggling. But then how do we find the compression now to bring us all back together and to find the balance in which we are able to show others honor by exhibiting the golden rule and in so doing, bringing a golden thread that unites us for the purpose of more people experiencing the salvation that comes from Jesus Christ alone. So Father, I pray that you um, work in us and through us. Help us to see who we could be neighbors to. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would put names on our hearts right now as we are praying that you would put names on our hearts for people to whom we can be neighbors. And I pray, Lord, that we would go and show mercy. Go and do likewise to them and to all that you've put within our path so we could build bridges and destroy walls that divide. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to take communion in just a couple of moments. And, and as we do that, uh, I'm going to kind of further this bridge analogy uh, a little bit. And you, many of you have seen this analogy or this illustration before, but it's a specifically applicable about how we get to build bridges. Just as Jesus built a bridge um, with us and God, we get to build bridges with others. And so you've seen this before. Many of you, maybe not all of you. And if this is your first time, this is a, a way to show the gospel in, in a few minutes. That in the beginning, there was man and God. And it talks about here, you may not be able to read the verses, but that's John 10.10 that talks about how we were created to have life and life to the full. And Genesis 1.27, that we were made in the image of God. And there was God and man. And yet what happened was, it's because of our sin, because of the wrong things that we do, because of that which has ingrained itself within our flesh inside our sinful nature that none of us are righteous on our own that all of us have fall short of the glory of God the wages of sin is death and we know that there's judgment unless there is a bridge and so we see here how Christ's death on the cross that Romans 5 8 down here it talks about how God demonstrated his own love for us in this that while we were still sinners Jesus died for us he bridged the gap they could have kept a wall of God and the, Holy, and the Holy Spirit and Jesus in heaven saying, the sinful people, that is the them and we are the us. But Jesus built a bridge. He made a way where there was no way. He bridged a chasm that was too deep for us. And he, through the cross of Christ and his life, death, and resurrection, is able to make a way for us to have a right relationship with God if we believe in him. If we believe 
that he gave his only, that Jesus was the only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And so I'm going to leave that picture up there now as we have the opportunity to take communion. Because as we take communion and with the, with the image of the cross and the bridge behind us, we acknowledge how Jesus came and he lived a perfect life and he died a horrible death. He was raised to new life so that we may have eternal life. That we now, those of us who believe in him and call upon him and are saved, we remember this weekly by taking the bread that reminds us of his body that was broken and the cup that reminds us of his blood that was poured out. So over the next couple moments, go ahead and feel free to partake in the bread, in the cup, as you feel led, and thank God for sending Jesus to build bridges, not to build walls. Go ahead and feel free to partake. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for sending Jesus to build a bridge. May we, Lord, be bridge builders in the image of Christ, in the example of Christ. And may we go boldly forth to show mercy to whomever you put in our path and not to fully give in to tension, to acknowledge tension, but instead to embrace the compression, embrace that which unites us, that we are all made in your image. And everyone, everyone we meet is someone that you love, that you formed in their mother's womb, that Jesus you died for, that Holy Spirit, you may be calling us to show mercy, to show the golden rule, to love them well, so that through our example of our words and our actions, they may love you too. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you all so much again for joining us for um, our sermon today, our service today. Next week, we're starting a brand new series uh, called Anthem of Hope as we look at hope in the midst of everything going on. And so uh, we encourage you to share the link, uh, to invite people to follow or to watch. Um, and again, in just two weeks, August 23rd, we are going to be here uh, on campus to be able to have service in our parking lot at 6.30 p.m. Uh, know that you are prayed for, cared for, and loved. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. May he turn his face towards you, be gracious to you. May he grant you his peace. God bless you all. Have a wonderful, blessed week. And we'll see you next Sunday morning.